Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the weekly listen for farm selling direct. We'll talk about the four levers for farm success, which are quality, brand, price, and convenience. We'll hear from outside industry experts and producers like you to delight your customers, save time, and to increase your direct farm sales and business. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. I'm Rory, your host for today's episode. We've got a great conversation for you today with one of our newest farm advisors, Casey Smith of BCS Livestock, located in Winthrop, Washington. Welcome, Casey. It's it's great to have you here. Maybe to start out, could you just tell me about your farm and, and what you guys produce here in Washington? Sure. Thanks for having me on today. Also, I'm excited to be here. I work with my parents and my wife. We're all active on the farm and we raise lamb and beef and sell meat and value-added wool products. So like hats, wool blankets, yarn, and we're working on making some wool hoodies as well. And our meat sales, we sell direct to consumer and we also do wholesale. So in some local restaurants and grocery stores. Awesome. I think you're our first fan that does wool and things too. And I know everybody's excited to have somebody doing wool on the fan team. Your parents work on the farm. You kind of grew up in a family involved in agriculture. And what was that kind of experience like growing up and, and how did that impact you as a kid? Yeah. So growing up, we pretty much always had animals and some kind of farm going on. And it was more of like a side business for my parents. And they had other jobs that they did off the farm as well. And so that gave me really good exposure to just what it was like being on the farm and working with animals and pasture and land and kind of all the things that go along with that and kind of gave me the the foundation of knowledge and mm-hmm. also just kind of knowing what it's like and a general interest. Yeah. Were you interested in it at the time? Because I know sometimes like when you're a kid growing up in, in that type of setting, it can just be chores and things like that. So d- were you kind of drawn to farming in your youth? A little bit, not a ton. I I don't know. I didn't not like it, but I wasn't like super into it either. And I was also really into cross-country skiing and biathlon. Um, and so like when I graduated from high school, I went to college and that was kind of my main focus. And there I was on the U.S. biathlon national team and competed internationally for several years and almost made the Olympics in 2014, but not quite for biathlon. And just doing that at a pretty high level. Yeah. And I was kind of ready to, to be done with that then and um, move on with other things in my life. And I came home for a summer and my parents still had animals going on. And then I also worked for another um, local cattle rancher and doing some stuff for him and just kind of almost remembered how much I loved uh, working outside with animals in the land that kind of segued me into then trying to build our farm business into a thing for me. Yeah. Well, and like you said, obviously you had a huge passion for skiing and from what you said to me before, you still live in a, a really great area for that, right? You're kind of surrounded by some really good areas for cross-country skiing. Yeah. Yep. We have, it's like the uh, largest number of cross-country ski trails in North America here in Winthrop in the Methow Valley. And that's also like 
kind of the main economic generator of our area is mm -hmm. tourism and recreation. And so that in some ways make it challenging to be in agriculture, mm -hmm. but it also provides lots of opportunity because there's lots of customers that are into outdoors things and recreation, which is similar a lot of times to our customer base on interests they have. So mm -hmm. it is challenging, but also provides an, an opportunity for us. Awesome. Well, and yeah, like we said, you, you grew up on the farm and I'm kind of curious, what are maybe some of like the lessons or, or things that you learned from your parents growing up in that setting that maybe you didn't appreciate at the time, but then you come back and you start helping out more at the farm and kind of taking over. And so what are some of those lessons that you're still using every day today? I think one is just kind of like working hard and having a good work ethic and mm -hmm. being able to do lots of different things in from the like bookkeeping stuff but then also out if you're like fucking hay bales or pulling baby lambs or something like that it kind of takes all skill sets yeah <laughs> that kind of helps with all aspects of life definitely and then so you come back to the farm and you kind of start to I don't want to say take over, but manage the farm a bit. What is kind of the early stage? What was some of the early stages of that? Like as you kind of took on a bigger role at the farm and, and working there and then also kind of making it your own and, and trying to manage it into a full time. Yeah. So definitely growing a lot, trying to figure out how to get enough animals and land and then increasing the sales and finding the market, kind of putting all those pieces together. So one thing of how our operation works is we don't really own that much land. We use a lot of other people's land, like primarily that's what we use. So we work with like over 30 different landowners to manage their land through ruminant grazing. And so it's taken time to, to build those relationships with all of our landowners to be able to get more land so then we can get more animals and then through that trying to build our market and being able to sell products year round. When my parents were doing it more, it was kind of more of the classic, like custom exempt selling halves and holes to individuals. And now we switched to doing all of our meats, a USDA processed, and you can still buy halves and holes from us, but you can also get individual bundles, the grocery stores and restaurants that we're in. We need the, the USDA processing for that. So that's kind of shifting to that. Different processing model and sales method was another big jump and change that we've made. Yeah, because I, I think taking that leap of just doing halves and and I guess with lambs, you don't really do quarters probably, but <laughs> I'm thinking with beef, uh, but halves and holes, how are you able to kind of make that transition while still maintaining your standards of quality and your sustainable farming practices? Yeah, that's definitely been a challenge to figure out, but that's something we are really passionate about if like for me if i'm going to be in the agriculture business i want to do it in a regenerative way and so that's something with our grazing that we really work on is trying to improve the land and making sure that we're giving adequate rest periods and almost with working with all of the different landowners that kind of works well because we just move from one landowner to the next and we try and get a bunch of neighbors in line so that we can just go <laughs> Across the fence line and as we move from place to place from like each field then the other one the previous one gets enough time to rest and regrow in between and so we're just moving the whole flock together from field to field rather than like having 
five at each place or something. How many are in your flock this year? Right now we have about 250 ewes. Wow. And starting May 15th, hopefully we'll have around 350 lambs or maybe a few more than that. So yeah, yeah. little sheep running around. Awesome. Well, you kind of started to touch on the transition that you went through in doing that shift of halves and holes to then going to individual cuts and offering bundles. Could you maybe talk about like, what were some of the challenges that you faced during that process? Yeah. I mean, one with that, it's just the processing itself. Anyone that is remotely involved with meat knows mm-hmm. the, the challenges of especially USDA processing. And especially for us, that's been in trying to scale more. One of the processors that we use can take smaller groups, but all of a sudden when you're having to do lots and lots of trips of really small groups, that's difficult. So trying to find kind of like a, instead of almost like a micro scale processor, like a small scale processor. And then yeah, figuring out our storage. So we have several walk-in freezers. That's something we've had in growing, trying to expand with and just trying to get enough storage capacity because we, We harvest all of our animals kind of in like January and February, and then we're selling meat throughout the year. So we have to have the freezer space to be able to handle that. And also trying to figure out the like cut choice selection um, on trying to like standardize that a little bit. So we just don't have a bunch of different cuts, but we can have product consistency throughout the year. Yeah, that's really important too, because I know that when you go to individual cuts, managing inventory can then become a challenge because with the quarter or half or whole of whatever kind of protein you're doing, you're able to just kind of get rid of it all at once um, and not have to worry too much about ending up with too much of one type of thing. So that's definitely a challenge. I think you guys signed up in 2019. So what kind of back then, to rewind a bit, I guess, what kind of went into that decision and, and why did you guys choose to to use barn to door at the time so in growing and getting more animals we knew we had to get an online store up and going and trying to sell through our website we had been talking about that and barn to door like reached out to us and gave us a phone call and so we were kind of like oh okay like wonder what this company is like <laughs> don't really know anything about it and then It was like the next week we went to, it was like a farmer chef connection meeting or something like that, kind of near Seattle and Barn to Door had a booth there. And we were like, oh yeah, those are the people that called us. (laughs) We'd like learn some more by talking to them there. And then we kind of like went home and tried to like find some other platforms that were doing it, but it seemed like Barn to Door was pretty good. And we had like talked to them. So we're like, all right, we got to do something. So Let's like go for it and jumped in and, and tried it out. And we've definitely seen bar to door change a lot from when we first yeah. started in, in 2019, but all those changes have been good, like incorporating a lot more features with like MailChimp and shipping and just kind of the overall flow of how the whole system works is a lot easier. It's m- more seamless now than it was at the beginning, I'd say. Yeah. That's great to hear. I'm curious, what were you guys doing before Barn to Door? Were you guys doing any online sales and and kind of how were you going about selling your product? Um, it was a lot of word of mouth and emails and phone calls from the time when my parents first kind of started. We just had a growing customer list. And so we just were then building on that. But we knew in a, like amount of product we were trying to sell that we needed to make a pretty big jump and we wouldn't be able to do that fast enough just with the same kind of word of mouth 
marketing mm-hmm. that we had been doing. And so jumping into barn to door just made that platform easy for the customers to access our product. Things worked out with COVID almost helped us grow and transition to using barn to door more in that they're looking for alternative sources to get food and we're willing to try like coming to a parking lot rather than going to the grocery store or mm-hmm. something like that. So kind of the, the timing on that almost helped us transition into using barn to door more. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. I think certainly a, a common thing too, as kind of customers' expectations around how they wanted to get their food changed a lot during that time. What was the reasoning behind you and, and even your parents kind of always choosing to raise lamb? And why do you continue to kind of make that the primary focus of your business? Yeah, well, when my parents first started, I guess my, my dad grew up in Idaho on a large scale like sheep and cattle ranch. So he had some uh, background in sheep that way. And then when my, my parents wanted to start the farm and sheep just kind of made sense based on the access to land that they had and just smaller animals to be moving around and also the profitability of them. They did a lot of like uh, holistic management training trainees. And so trying to look at how to make things um, look at all the all-encompassing view of the operation and the sheep just fit best into their plan with that and that's then kind of what we've been known for with our customers and what is kind of just the easier segue for me to, to start out with just expanding what we knew and what we were already doing yeah you did talk about how you guys shifted to doing individual cuts and bundles what did you see as um, you shifted to more of those those types of product offerings, the response from customers? What was that like? I think overall it's been good. And like I said, people can still get a half or a whole lamb. So there's some customers that we have that it's on like December 1st, they like buy their whole lamb. And mm-hmm. even now that we've switched, they they like still do that because that's what they know and that's what they like. But it makes it a lot easier for new customers also to, to access because mm-hmm. they can get just like two lamb chops if they want. They don't have to get like 40 pounds of meat and not really knowing if they're going to like it or how that's going to work or they have the freezer space. And also it gives people kind of a little bit more choice on selection. So if they like cooking a certain way, they can just buy those items that they like. How have you set up your bundles and, and how do you kind of use those to make things easier for you? Yeah, that's something we're still working on a lot. We, I think, could improve quite a bit, but it does allow us a little bit. If we have like an excess of one cut, we can put that in with some other similar cuts to kind of balance our inventory out that way. And also with a lamb compared to a beef, at least there's just a lot fewer cuts. So like less options of things, which makes it just a little bit easier and simpler. So I'm sure there's some educational components or work that kind of goes along with selling lamb. So I was curious, how do you approach that and educate customers on the quality of your products and, and how the practices that you use affect the, the quality of the products and maybe even just kind of health benefits of lamb or, or uses for it? Yeah, for sure. So one with our lamb, it's in 100% grass fed and grass finished, and that helps in having a little bit more mild flavor, which for people that don't like lamb, a lot of times it's because they say of the strong flavor. And so being entirely grass fed gives our 
lamb a unique flavor that way compared to other like more feedlot finished lamb. And yeah, I think with like ground lamb is a really consumer friendly cut to start with mm. just because it's easy to cook. People are really familiar, especially with like ground beef on how to use it and you can just use it the same way. Oh recommend if it's like a chop like loin chops or something like that just putting some garlic salt on them and grilling them on the barbecue mm -hmm. is a good way and again it's like fairly simple and i think with our lamb it just has really good flavor and is the because of our practices of how we raise it and just paying really close attention to our soil health and and our plants and trying to get those systems cycling well with carbon and nutrients um, it's just creating quality feed for the animals, which then makes delicious food. It's not hard to sell when it tastes really good. It, yeah, no, I was going to say, you're making me hungry. I'm thinking about grilled <laughs> lamb chops now. Well, uh, you guys have also partnered with another farm to add beef to your product offering. Yeah, so we're working with a, a neighboring ranch that it's primarily a cow-calf operation. So he raises the animals till they're about a year old and then... Typically he'll sell those just on like the commodity market and then they'll go like somewhere else and get grazed and eventually like go into a feedlot system mm -hmm. and finish that way. And so what we're doing is taking, find those animals at a year old from him and uh, then we're finishing those on grass and, and butchering those and then selling beef as well. And our neighboring rancher has like follows a lot of the same uh, principles that we use and we've even started doing some like multi-species grazing with him so grazing the sheep mm. right ahead of cows or are integrated with them and so that's additionally helping too with just getting more diversity on the land and the sheep and cows have different preferences in their grazing and so you're kind of targeting different plants that way and it's been a good partnership because it allows us then access to beef um, and we're mm -hmm. able to use our lamb market to sell beef through as well but we don't have to take on all of the work of the cow calf part and it also helps him because it's more profitable like selling meat rather than just selling live animals and so so we're partnering with him in the costs and the profits that way so it it makes for a win-win situation for both of us. You know, as a farmer, it, it can be tough to grow and produce everything. So setting up some of those partnerships can be really a great way to add to your store and, and increase your product offering. What would maybe be your advice to a farm that's maybe looking to start doing that and partner with some other farms to add to their product offering? Yeah, I think just talking with people and spending the time to, if you don't know them, like spending the time to, to get to know them and building a relationship. And even like the guy that, that we work with, we've known, like I've known him my whole life, but even so, so still taking quite a bit of work of figuring out the details of how the, the partnership actually works. And I guess, especially for us looking for someone to partner with that's raising cattle, like right now, the commodity cattle market is not very good. And so I would say that Probably a lot of kind of traditional cow-calf producers might be open to, to trying something new or different because selling on the, the commodity market doesn't work that well financially right now. Yeah. So if they have some incentive to, to make more money, they might be willing to try it out. Yeah. No, that's a great point. You know, I think 
the prices right now are pretty abysmal. And so at least through the commodity market. So being able to partner with another farm and sell that direct to consumer and, and increase the profit margin would probably be a great incentive for a lot of beef farmers. Well, another thing I know, I guess maybe a challenge that you potentially face is that Winthrop is a pretty rural location in Washington state, but you've been able to develop a pretty strong customer base in your community. And like you said, you've, uh, added some wholesale accounts and, and grow your sales really year over year. So I'm kind of curious what you think maybe some of those keys to your success have been starting in a pretty rural area, but still being able to grow that customer base and form a, a pretty loyal audience there. Yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. We don't <laughs> yeah. have it figured out completely yet. And we sell like quite a bit of meat just to like local people that live here. And I think being in an, a really like outdoor and recreational community, people are fairly thoughtful about what they're eating. And so even though we are a small area, a lot of our, the people that live here have want to know more about their food and where it's coming from. So, so that helps some. And with the tourism and recreation, there's lots of people coming through. And so we're working on trying to build those market to get people that are coming here on vacation or something like that when they know us that they like pick up some meat before they go home and we also we're working on starting to do some shipping we haven't quite gotten there yet but that's definitely something that's in our future just in order to sell the quantity of meat that we need to access those more and another thing that we have done is we'll go a few times a year and take a load of meat to Seattle. And so a lot of our customers that maybe have found us through coming here on vacation, a lot of those come from kind of the greater Seattle area. And so if we can connect with them and then we get in touch with them through email that we're coming there and they can place an order through our online store and we try to get them to share that with their friends and stuff like that. And then we'll take a load of meat over and have like a central pickup location at like a park and ride or um, something like that, where then people can just come and they pick up their order and it's all like pre-ordered, paid for. We already have everything packed. So it's super easy that people just show up and we have a bag with their name on it and it, they just pick it up and chat for a few minutes and, and they can head home. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like you said, though, that that's a really big market opportunity over there. And so being able to to do those drop sites and go at least once a month or a, a couple times a year is probably a pretty successful opportunity for you. So maybe for other farmers um, like yourself who are in a remote area, but maybe there is a larger metropolitan market within driving distance. What would you say are like some of the, the benefits or what are some of the results that you've seen out of making that trip over there? Has it led to a pretty solid increase in sales for you? It's a really long ways <laughs> to, <go laughs> to drive over there and spend time handing out me orders and then drive back. I always come back from that exhausted and it's not what I really want to be doing. And that's like, I'm sure we could build our, if I wanted to do that every week, I could, and we could have a hugely thriving market through mm -hmm. that. But that's not something that I'm willing to do for my quality of life. Spend like a 12 or 14 hour day, one day a week, like driving back and forth to Seattle. And so 
That's why we're, we're working on trying to, to build our local market more and trying to access the people that are coming to us through tourism to let them take the meat home rather than having us have to take it over there. Well, I guess looking forward, what would be your plan with that program? I guess, do you, is that something you kind of hope to, to fizzle out over the next couple of years or do less? Or is that something that if you had somebody else being able to do that, you'd maybe want to increase the amount of trips you do over there? I don't know. We're still kind of, kind of figuring that out. I think because it is such a huge opportunity, but it also there's, yeah, from just a sales perspective, but then the, the transport and getting the product is sort of the, the challenge with that. So like, for sure, if there is an easy way to get it there, that would be like, if someone else was driving it over, like that'd be great. We'd build that. But I think kind of our direction with that, we're just kind of needs a little more time to see how that'll play out. All right. Well, this can be your ad. If anybody's listening in Winthrop, Washington, go to Casey. Well, I'm kind of curious, you know, like we said, you've been with Barnador for a while now. What are some of the aspects of Barnador or maybe just like one or two that you kind of find most useful to help you manage your business or, or that save you a lot of time while also leading obviously to that increase in sales, which is. Yeah. Using MailChimp is super helpful. When I started out, I just had like a spreadsheet full of emails. And doing our, our weekly pickup, which I don't know if I mentioned that, but our, like our primary means of local sales is we have our online store through part of door. And then we send out a weekly ordering reminder to people and they place their order. And then we have a pickup time and location in town that, and that happens every week. I had like a spreadsheet list full of emails, but then you could only put like so many emails in the like BCC on the email. And I was having to send out like six or eight emails and make them all like look the same and try to be professional. And anytime someone ordered, I'd have to like put their new email in my list. And it was just kind of like a nightmare. And so, and a mission was added in and I was able to switch over to that. It just made it so streamlined and easy. And our reminder emails come across as way more professional looking and makes me like a quarter of the time to send out the weekly email <laughs> as it did before. So that's great. And I know those order reminder emails can be a huge um, asset for farmers. Just, you know, people get caught up in their daily life and sometimes forget, but they still have that need for food. And so sometimes kind of giving them that nudge will be the thing that they need to go and, and make a purchase. Do you see any kind of direct correlation to when you send out those order reminders and, and an increase in sales? Oh, a hundred percent. Well, our stores open like pretty much all week. And if I don't send out the order reminder, we might get like one order, but it's like, as soon as I send out that order, the email order reminder, it's like within 24 hours, usually that's when a hundred percent of our orders come in for the week or maybe not a hundred, but like 95% of the orders for the week come in within 24 hours after sending the email reminder. That is awesome. I mean, that just shows, yeah, how great that tool is and that it just kind of just that little nudge is all people need. It's just a simple mm -hmm. reminder. That's great to hear. In terms of that order, I mean, do you just use like that automated one through barn to door? No, I change it up every week and like go into MailChimp. I guess kind of why I do that is we've shifted a little bit of our weekly pickup. So, so we started that the weekly pickup kind of when COVID started and we lost all of our restaurant and so we all of a sudden were having to figure out how to sell more meat direct to the consumer, which 
ultimately has helped us. And so we were selling just our lamb and our beef. And then uh, we started adding it in other local farm products. And so now we have milk, eggs, vegetables, fruit, mushrooms, honey, kind of like a bunch of different stuff from a bunch of local producers. And we've tried to set that up so that it's easy for the producer and also easy for the consumer to get all of those local products in one spot is, and using that kind of as like an alternative ordering method to the farmer's market. So with that in our weekly email that I send out, it has a lot of updates on those other products that are kind of changing week to week. And like what our meat selection that we have doesn't really change that much. It's pretty consistent throughout the year. But a lot of the like fruit and vegetables and stuff like that, it's way more week to week. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll use some of those things that are changing as like a highlight in the email, but then I'll also try and relate those with like a pairing of like get mushrooms and have it with steak or something mm-hmm. like that. And so trying to like promote our items as well as those other producers. Yeah, no, that's a great idea and, and great content too for that weekly newsletter to kind of have a good reason to reach out to people and, and something that people would actually be interested in reading. Is That's awesome. Well, you, as we mentioned, you're one of our newest members of the Farm Advisor Network. So what are you kind of most excited about in joining the fan team? Yeah, I'm excited to hear what other producers have to say, I think. And it also just being uh, part of this kind of is making me more aware of the resources that Farm to Door has to offer. And so being able to talk with and look at other farms on what they're doing and hearing what's worked for them, I think will be helpful for us. Yeah. Awesome. And we're excited to to have you on the team and the expertise that you bring to the table. So I guess final question, what's kind of next for BCS Livestock? What do you see in the coming year and, and maybe what are some of your goals? Yeah, we're really expanding our beef that we're selling we're doing like three times as many this coming year as we did last year that's going to be a pretty big jump for us and just trying to figure out those um, sales and the inventory and like we we kind of have it down or we kind of have it figured out a little bit with our lamb but our like total pounds of meat that will be selling will be like doubling and so it's just going to have to be a a lot more meat going out the door and yeah, trying to figure out the the marketing with that, but then also the like order fulfillment and all those pieces that go along with it. Yeah, no, I'm excited. We'll definitely have to have you back on the podcast and, and hear about how that transition is going. Cause that is, that's a big increase. That'll be exciting though for, for you and for the farm. Yeah. (laughs) I want to extend my thanks to Casey for joining us on this week's podcast episode. Here at Barn to Door, we're humbled to support thousands of farms across the country, including farmers like Casey, who implement sustainable agricultural practices and support their local community. For more information on BCS Livestock, visit bcslivestock.com. To learn more about Barn to Door, including access to numerous free resources and best practices for your farm, go to barntodoor.com resources. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.